census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by the Dorkening Podcast Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And uh, I, of course, am not here on my own. I am here by, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie... Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes von Nightmare. And this weekend, I'm going to be the... Something that starts with a B. Banking on breakfast? <laughs> no! Or a tea. A tea, like the, the, the tea, the... The, 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 the town crier of... The town, I'm to be the town crier of barrel tasting. Oh, 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 the, the baroness of barrel tasting. Yeah, but you already used baroness. I'm looking for something else. What's another B? The burgermeister. Burgermeister, <laughs> meister, burger of barrel tasting. Um, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be going away, uh, as part of, uh, her, her birthday gift, my birthday gift to her for my birthday. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to four different vineyards. We're doing barrel tasting this weekend, and uh, we did it a few years ago. Yes, and it was super we snowy. Ate and we were so like many barrels. Ones. Yeah, the di- barrels were delicious. Uh, the gorilla throwing them at us was very upset. Uh, but no, we're uh, we're going to be going to a bunch of different uh, vineyards up in New Hampshire. So next week we will definitely have some wine, and we just got uh, an update. From one of the, um, as we were driving home from work today, we got an update from one of the uh, vineyards, one of our favorites, Zorvino, that they have a new uh, white and red sangria. So we will, uh, we will heroically taste test it and uh, let you know what we think on uh, next week's episode. Maybe we'll do a wine section. Maybe each of us will do a wine section. But uh, we're we're very excited. Um, but this week, as we promised, we are going to be discussing uh, Man Thing, um, and uh, we have some interesting coming back from break segment things, uh, like music, musical cues, um, which we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, afterwards uh, in our second segment. But um, so. We wanted to think, because we were thinking, like, 
you know, a lot of people haven't been exposed to man thing. And usually that's the type of thing that will have you registered as a sex offender when you expose your man thing uh, or expose people to your man thing. Uh, so Marvel's in hot water about that. Um, but in all seriousness, um, the uh, the character is not someone that people are very familiar with. And when you're like, who's that? Oh, that's man thing. No, but what's his what's what's the character's real name? Oh, he's he's man thing. Right. It's uh, it's not the most um, clever of comic book character names. It I is, mean, there are some really good ones, and there are some really bad ones. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a play. Out, like Marvel and DC are always going back and forth and ripping each other off. Deadpool, Deadshot, Deathstroke, you know, Captain Marvel. You know, like there's a lot of a lot of back and forth. You know, Swamp Thing, Man Thing. You know, Swamp Thing and Man Thing are two of the more blatant ripoffs. You know, I believe Swamp Thing came first. Uh, but even Solomon Grundy is a similar type of character as Swamp Thing because he has like wood powers and was able to beat the Flash, Jay Garrick, because he had wood powers back when the Green Lantern rings didn't work against wood as opposed to just the color yellow, which, as an aside, fucking stupid. It's like, ah, my ring is all powerful. It's only limited by imagination. Oh no, foiled by my own nemesis, wood. Ah, foiled by my old nemesis, the color yellow. Like the time Batman beat Green Lantern, just kicked the shit out of him by painting himself and everything in the room yellow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I know, I had no idea. That's, uh, wow, that's something. That's a, And this this was a legit storyline yeah definitely they legitimate batman wrote and illustrated yep. this comic book uh yeah definitely uh definitely wanted uh a big uh not see a thea theatrical fight and batman's like i'm just gonna paint everything yellow what do you think about that Rah! i totally suck i have no powers now and it's like that's so dumb. So obviously that's changed, and Green Lantern can use his powers uh, against wood now and yellow. Like, oh, no, I'm, you know, no, defeated no, no, by I, a coffee table. I'm screwing myself. I'm sure they're, all the nerds out there are like, Jay Garrick was the Flash. Jay Garrick was the Flash. But I believe this was a, this was a, it wasn't the Flash. It was a Green Lantern at the, at the beginning. Alan somebody? I don't know. Uh, he wasn't Green Lantern very long, and it, he had like a, a really weird costume, like very different from what it looks like now. But I mean, most of the guys, I mean, with the very few exceptions, you know, a lot of the characters from, you know, 1940s look different than they do now. But that got us thinking, what are some of the worst character names? Whether it's heroes or villains, what are some of just the absolute worst where it's like, oh my God, I cannot take you seriously with a name like that. So, Asher, I know you have a bunch. Um, why don't you list some of yours first? So, here's the thing. The, the, the early Batman comics, the rogues gallery, just full, full, a plethora of just terrible, terrible names. Um, so, in no particular order, uh, I have on my list Calorie Queen. Calorie Queen. All right. So, uh, in 
What? Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Calorie Queen. Uh next on my list is I'm Calorie Queen. It is my arch nemesis. No, no, her real name, Jenny Craig. I was gonna say she's a spokesperson for Weight Watchers. It's Oprah. I love bread. Um next on my list is Calendar Man. Calendar Man, at least his name makes some sense because, you know, he... Beware of the days. He does... Uh, I'm going to throw free calendars from the bank at no, you. No, he plans crimes based on and provides clues based on specific holidays. So, yeah, that I. it's still a shitty name. Uh, next on my list is Kite Man. Kite Man kite. Uh, made popular Let's in the Harley go Quinn. Fly a kite. In the Harley Quinn com- uh, uh, cartoon, that commercial. Uh, next on my list is now the name sucks, but the most recent. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about without even looking. Polka Dot Man? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so so the most recent what iteration incarnation of this character was really great, and that's partially due to the actor who portrayed this character, uh, David Desmalchen. Yes, Desmal. I think that's it, Desmalchen. Yep. Um, but anyways, but just 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 a completely bizarre character and like the powers too like I'm gonna throw polka dots at you like cool okay uh next on my list is Catholic girl I bet I know what outfit she wears this is my arch nemesis Jew boy um no but on my list is fruit boy ugh these are these are. <laughs> oh no! It gets dead. better. It gets better. Uh, the asbestos lady. Oh, that's on the list that I'm looking at. Oh, I, I I have one. All right, I gotta make sure I write it down because. All right, keep going. Um, arm fall off, boy. Uh, I believe there was a cameo of his in, um, uh, or at least he was referenced somehow in uh, the most recent Justice League. I mean, not and, Justice League. I'm sorry. Suicide like, Squad. So he's a superhero, and he defeats his opponents by making his arms fall yeah, off. Yeah, his limbs come off. Like, that's a... Oh, that's they have a, Dazzler on this list? That's a... Ter- no. See, I saw some of those lists, and I've, I, I questioned some of these lists, because some of them are actually pretty good. I'm like, you know, like, some of them are actually pretty witty. Uh, next on my list, though, is <clears throat> Matter Eater Lad. Yeah, the guy that can eat anything. Matter Eater. I mean, technically, we're all Matter Eaters. Uh, and then last on my list is Crazy Quilt. I feel like crazy. I have to say it like that. Crazy Quilt. Like, oh, I'm going to... Snuggle you to death. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck fat quarters at you. I'm the I'm the only superhero your grandma endorses. So I have a couple <laughs> on here, and I'm saving one because I've actually talked about this uh, back in the day. But this is a, a on Ranker some of the uh, top. Uh, there's dog welder who welds dogs to people's faces. So if you're bad, he's going to weld a dog to your face. A dead dog, usually. Uh, then you've got Arm Fall Off Boy here. Uh, I, E-Y-E, Scream. I Scream. Uh, he can turn into any flavor of ice cream. 
That's that's his. Really, like that? That's it. That's it. Uh, uh, okay. There is a a character who was um, definitely mocked in uh, on South Park, Captain Hindsight, uh, hero of the modern age. Uh, there is Hindsight Lad. Who his power I'm was... I'm going to tell you what you should have done. Right. Uh, uh, there's Snapper Carr. Uh, he can snap and rhyme. Like, that's it. That's what he does. He snaps his fingers. Like... Okay. That's a talent, though, because I can't really do that. I mean, I can kind of. But I mean, like, what like... use are you? are like, quick, you know, Galactus is coming. Hey, Daddy-O, that sounds like a bad time-o. Like... Great. Thanks for the help, Snapper. That was a terrible rhyme, by the way. Well, I mean, that's, you know, imagine that up against Galactus, who eats planets. Uh, then there's uh, Lady Stiltman, who is uh, like Stiltman, but a lady. And again, this is <laughs> this is uh, uh-huh. uh, a character that was also mocked on The Simpsons, if you remember the uh, episode with uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns. Uh when Smithers is in jail talking to Wiggum and, and Lou and Eddie, and he's like, oh, that's when Mr. Burns crossed the the the, the line from uh, villainy to cartoonish supervillainy. And there is the guy in the jail cell. He goes, ha, he is a rank amateur compared to Dr. Colossus. And he hits a button on his belt that says Colosso Boots. And they make him taller. Go, go, gadget, Colosso boots. Kind of. Like, all right, Colossus, you're free to go. But stay away from Death Mountain. Oh, all my stuff is there. Um, Matter Eater Lad came up on this list. Asbestos Lady, back to back. Uh, Maggot. The Legion of Super Pets. Like, so dumb. Uh, the Fiddler. Not the Riddler. Uh, Fiddler. He uh, channels his magic through a violin. Um... Uh, and one of my favorites, he's got a dumb name and an even worse power. And especially with the uh, the popularity of a certain uh, ursine drug user, uh, my number one pick is Snowflame. Snowflame, uh, he is a guy whose strength and power... Uh, grows the more cocaine he has, which is just like anybody else. It's like, ah, I'm just a normal guy. Oh, I did cocaine. I can do everything. Like that's that's his power. Snowflame. He uh, does cocaine and goes crazy and is runs around like a nut. They made a movie about him. But instead of a guy, they changed it to a bear. Well, no, it's called, it's called Scarface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is one other that's an honorable mention, and I'm remembering a, 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 a comic book. It was a Batman-Superman team-up, and they were trying to defeat this lady called the Magpie, who would... She had, like, a criminal gang because it's Gotham City, and everybody has a fucking criminal gang. Gotham's got, like, a population of 200 million uh, and they're all gangs, like, you know, clowns and penguins and two faces, scarecrows, whatever. Oh, my. Um, and she would 
steal, uh, rob jewelry stores and replace the jewelry with like little bombs that shot out like razors or would just explode or whatever. Because she liked shiny things. That's why her and her real name was like Maggie Pie or something like that. You know, of course, because if you have a weird name like that, you like. I'm Edward Nigma. I tell riddles because I'm Enigma. Like, whatever your name is, that's what your power has to be, apparently. Uh, if you're a villain, like, I'm surprised the Joker's real name isn't, like, Joker. You know, like... <laughs> well, I guess I have to be playing card-themed because my name is Joker. Uh, this is my friend, Ace Wild. He was a, you know... Sounds like a throwback from a western, but anyways, she uh, one of the one of her henchmen screwed up, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay." And she scratched him, and he became paralyzed. And as a punishment, she did what's called the happy birthday because the guy she didn't call it that, but like the guys next to her was like, "No, boss, not happy birthday, not happy birthday." It, which is she sticks a stick of dynamite in the paralyzed guy's mouth and sets it off. And then she laughs. She goes, oh, poor whatever his name is, you know, Greg. Now he'll never get ahead in life because his, his head blew off. Ha. And like Batman wanted to punch. I mean, not Batman. Superman wanted to kick the shit out of her. He's like, oh, you killed so many people. And he's like, but Batman's like, yeah, look, she's just like. She's disturbed. She's insane. Like, she had a complete mental breakdown when they took away all her shiny stuff. Oh, I like shiny. I know, but not as much as she does. Like, she had a complete breakdown. And he's like, see? It's like, you can't solve all your problems by punching, Superman. Gee, I guess you're right, Batman. Well, time to go beat up some homeless guys dressed like clowns. Like, Batman is the guy saying, you don't need to punch all your problems away. Like, really? Really? So that's that's our list. I'm sure we've missed tons, but what do you what do you got? No, I was just gonna say, so in the process of reading through all of these terrible, horrible comic book character names, I was reminded of I don't know if you remember this or watch this. There was a show on Nickelodeon, uh like Meltman with the power to yes! melt. Yes, Kablam, Kablam, Action League now. So Kablam was now. a show on Nickelodeon. Stinky Diver, The Flash, Thunder Girl, Man, Thunder Girl. They were all just like dolls, and like uh, Stinky Diver or Meltman would always like smash apart, and like. The flesh was just like a naked dude who's like a big muscular naked dude, and he would always be like, oh, ouchies, or something like that every time he got hurt. Yes. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So it was the show on Nickelodeon, and like Action League Now was a short in this show. So it was like just a show a show of shorts. It's like a sketch show. Uh, right, because they had like Prometheus and Bob, Life with Loopy, you know, some of these other really like fantastic. Uh, Prometheus and Bob <clears throat> was so much fun. That, yeah. I would love to find some of these old episodes i wonder if they're on youtube i should look it up probably uh but anyways yeah so that's what it reminded me of all i could think of was you know the names of the and i remember thinking you know at the time like these names are so stupid because i wasn't really familiar with you know the i mean obviously batman superman catwoman you know some of these other you know relatively cool sounding uh superhero villain names whatever um 
you know, uh, so going through this list, that's what all I could hear in the back of my head was melt man with the power to melt. Yeah, I remember that. Stupid. <laughs> like I didn't know. I mean, obviously, like they were. It was a parody of it was all you know yeah, it was, all and of it this was stuff. All stop motion animation. Oh right, it was amazing. brilliant. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, anyways, so like reading through these lists, that's all I could think of. Yeah, like I yeah I do remember that show. I used to watch it while uh, babysitting my cousins. So that gives you an idea of how long ago it was. It was like mid nineties, like. It was like young Amanda Bynes. It was like ninety. Well, that was all that. Oh, I was. It's, they all kind of. But, but it was together. all. It was all the same time period. Yeah, like it was that, and like there were a couple other shows that they had uh, at that point. But yeah, like they were all pretty much the same type of like you know the same kids, you know, like the Keenan and Kel stuff that kind of bled over into the the same time slots there. Well, yeah, but well, I mean, like, like and, and again, like, yeah, because some of them got their own spinoffs. So, yeah, they all started on this sh- on all that. Yeah. Keenan and Kel got their own spinoff show. And then Amanda Bynes got the Amanda show. I never watched that. Like, I, I didn't. And Drake Bell was on that show. I don't know who that is. Is he the, the guy that was in Degrassi Junior High? No. That he's a rapper now? No, not that Drake. Oh, I don't. Different Drake. Is he the the guy from Drake's Cakes? No, but he got his own spinoff with um, Joshua Peck, Drake and Josh. Oh, what a clever name. Come here, brother. And if if I remember correctly, the sister... Sister um, Act 2, Back in the Habit. No, the the sister... I, I might be getting things mixed up, but I think the sister from Drake and Josh... Ended up being the iCarly girl. I don't know what that is either. That's that's like I was. That's watching, kind of where my, my I was a freshman in high school. A like I was a freshman sophomore up. in high school. You were like nine or ten. Miranda Cosgrove, I think that's her name. Isn't she the one but from I, I Phineas think, and Ferb? No, that's Ashley Tisdale. She is a they, high school musical. That's a Disney thing. Pe- they're all the same. That's people. Disney. Like, that's completely different. It's like the Mickey different. Mouse Club. Like I never watched that either. But you never like, watched the Mickey Mouse Club? No. Not even like the old classic I, episodes with like Annette Funicello. I never had the Disney Channel. That was extra. I never had Disney Channel growing up. Okay, so out there, speaking of of Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, like, deep cuts, do any of you remember, like, I don't know if this was real or if it was just, like, a fever dream or something. Um, There was this show called, like, Alice Adventures in Wonderland or something like that, and she uh, walked through her, like big standing mirror in her bedroom and that's how she got to wonderland am i just making this up uh you're thinking of uh the secret world of clarissa explaining alex mack no again that's nickelodeon and those are two completely different shows i don't think they're all the same okay so before we go off on any more tangents about what's on what we watched (laughs) when we were kids jesus um, although that would probably, Even for us, this I was going to say, tangent. like, that would actually probably be a really fun episode, and maybe we need to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, take some deep dives into some of the old shows that you, we used to watch on, on Nickelodeon. The Amazing, oh, fuck, what is it called? The Amazing Heroes. Uh, 
with Diaper Man and Tornado Man and Rope Man. Uh, that's a show you didn't watch because even when, like, that's before you were even born. I, yeah. I, no, I it was like Diaper Man, Tornado Man. Um, Diaper Man was like, yeah. Hold on. Let me. It sounds like, can... so it sounds, uh, I know this isn't what you're talking about, but the Rugrats. They played. They they used to play like superheroes. The mighty heroes. Okay, there was a Ralph Bakshi, uh, thing. Uh, Ralph Bakshi also did Fire and Ice, and he did the uh, the um, uh, Lord of the Rings. Jesus, I'm sure someone was just yelling it at me, and I'm sure it was Coop. Um, so it's Strong Man, Rope Man, Tornado Man, Cuckoo Man, and Diaper Man. Uh, it was from. Wow. Had a long, long uh, run from October 1966 to March 1967. Wow. Spanning two years. But yeah, that's uh, how long it uh, it went. And I remember, though, I used to watch that all the time because I thought it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, along with, like, Mighty Mouse and stuff like that. But I will say one more thing before we take a break. Uh, as far as superhero oh, names. Hold on. So the episode of Rugrats that I was thinking of, they were called the Mega Diaper Babies. Mega Diaper Babies. Okay. But the uh, the one that kind of played into it um, and then led into something. But um, obviously the tick, but like they did that intentionally, like chair face. Like, that was one of the guys, and he literally just had a chair for a head. Um, okay, so if you were to name yourself, if you were to be, like, in a comic book, you know, a comic book character or whatever, if you were to name yourself something stupid, what would you call yourself? Oh, Jesus. Um, Shark could... boy. Oh, that's too obvious. <laughs> Gill man. The amazing handsome guy. But like it's <laughs> ironic, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we I would do I would do that. Uh, um, Anti Slender Man, I could do that. <laughs> um, uh, regular Man, average average. What, what did what did Rody call Ant Man? Regular size Man, because he, he he was regular size at the mm-hmm. time, um, but. Also, I would like to, and if Brandon's listening, I'm sure he's probably like, why didn't you mention all the characters from the Venture Brothers? There's a guy named Cat Clops who, instead of an eye, has a cat in the middle of his face. And, like, it's also sentient, but that's how he sees. And then there's his girlfriend, Girl Hitler, who is Hitler but a girl. Uh, Manic 8-Ball. And there's, like, a lot of characters who kind of are crossed over like uh baron underbite is pretty much trap jaw from he-man crossed with dr doom um you know so there's all the monarch like there's all these really like terrible villains and then there's Dr. Orpheus, who is 100% Dr. Strange, but, like, way more flamboyant and theatric. It's awesome. Uh, so if you have any more that you, you can think of, let us know. You know where to find us. Facebook, 
Throw down Thursday podcast at gmail.com and uh, Twitter at TD Thursday pod. So let us know if you have any more uh, that I'm sure we missed. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be exposing you to man thing. So prepare yourself. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. back so that was uh that was the trailer for the 2005 Lionsgate film man thing which um you know it was not very popular um but uh predates the MCU which is kind of interesting and you know it, it definitely i think based on what we're going to be talking about and based on like what we talked about last week as far as Werewolf by Night, I think that they had an idea that they were going to be able to do some of these darker um, Marvel characters, you know, the Ghost Riders, the the Blades. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but at the end of the first Blade movie, the director made a cameo in a deleted scene, like a mid-credits scene, as Morbius... So they were thinking about, you know, trying to get some of these lesser-known characters um, into the spotlight, you know, to kind of capitalize on the horror craze, especially where 
Lionsgate was in the midst of their 10-year run of Saw films. Like, Lionsgate was starting to get known as this, like, really dark, brutal horror. Uh, and even, you can't tell from the uh, trailer I just played, but if you watch it on YouTube, uh, there's boobs in it. Like, fully exposed <laughs> boobs. Um, yeah, so it's it's very interesting that this character was kicking around was it was it man things boobs no it wasn't man it wasn't his you didn't see his man thing either um but uh but yeah it's uh it's interesting i had no idea this existed uh until a few days ago when i started doing research on you know some of the powers and abilities and whatnot and they kept showing clips and i'm like what the fuck is this from like a tv show and i looked into it and it's like nope 2005 Lionsgate film like very interesting. I had no clue. So, Ashes, I know you have uh, you have a lot of uh, good stuff. So why don't we why don't we start with uh, what you've got? Yeah. So we're going to delve into the publications that Man Thing was involved with. So the Man Thing, also known as Doctor Theodore Ted Salas, is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Man-Thing debuted in Savage Tales number one in May of 1971. The black and white adventure fantasy magazine in, uh, featured an 11-page origin story. The Man-Thing was conceived in discussions between Marvel Comics editor Stan Lee and writer Roy Thomas. Together, they created five possible origins for the character. Lee provided the name as well as the concept of the man losing sentience. A second story was prepared at that time, but upon Savage Tales cancellation after that single issue, took a year or two to see print. It appeared in Astonishing Tales number 12 in June of 1972, in which a seven-page story was integrated in its entirety within the 21-page feature Kazar, starring Marvel's Jungle Lord Hero. This black and white interlude with yellow highlighting segued to the man thing's introduction to color uh, excuse me to color comics as kazar's antagonist turned ally in this and the following issue the man thing received his own 10 page feature in adventure into fear number 10 of october 1972 this feature expanded to 15 pages with number 12 became 16 pages two issues later and reached the then standard 19 page length of marvel super superhero comics with issue number 15 at which point the series also went from bi-monthly to monthly after issue number 19 of December 1973, The Man-Thing received a solo title, The Man-Thing, which ran 22 issues from January 1974 to October of 1975. A sister publication was the larger quarterly giant size man thing, number one through five, running from. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a magazine you could get in uh, comic <laughs> stories. <laughs> running from August of 1974 to August of 1975, which featured 1950s horror fantasy and 1960s science fiction slash monster reprints as backup stories, with a two part Howard the Duck co feature 
feature added in the final two issues. The unintentional double entendre in this sister series title has become a recurring joke among comic readers. Yeah, giant sized man thing definitely is like somebody laughed all their way like hee 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 like putting that you know hey stan lee do you want to see my giant sized man thing not now ditko excelsior (laughs) a second man thing series ran 11 issues from november 1979 to january of 1981 Black and white Man-Thing stories and some color covers also appeared in the Marvel magazine Monsters Unleashed. The character in a backup story in Man-Thing Volume 2, oh, excuse me, the character appeared in a backup story in Man-Thing Volume 2, number 9 of March 1981. A Man-Thing story was included in Marvel Comics Presents number... 164 through 168, uh, early October through late November of 1994. He would go on to be included in Marvel Team Up, The Defenders, Marvel Fanfare, and the miniseries Daydreamers, as well as Man Thing Volume 3, number 1 through 8, from December 1997 to July 1998. There is a Man-Thing feature in Strange Tales Volume 4, number 1 through 2, September through October 1998. Four issues were written, but number uh, 3 and 4 were never published. In the 2000s, the Man-Thing had starred in a handful of stories appearing in one-shots and miniseries, including Marvel Knights Double Shot number 2, July 2002, and Legion of Monsters Man-Thing number 1 in May of 2007. In 2008, a retelling of Man-Thing's origin appeared in Dead of Night featuring the Man-Thing number 1 through 4, April through July 2008, from the Marvel Max imprint. This was followed by an eight-page story in Marvel Comics Presents Volume 2, number 12, in October of 2008. The Man-Thing appeared regularly during the Punisher's Frankencastle story arc and became a regular member of the Thunderbolts with issue number 144. As, a, as an aside, the Frankencastle story is one of the most hated fucking stories uh, or like character directions of all time right up there with Cap Wolf, which if you're not familiar, yes, Captain America became a werewolf. You know what? I had that comic. I thought it was fucking rad. I was 11. (laughs) Uh, So the series was retitled Dark Avengers with number 175. And the man thing continued to appear as a regular character until issue number 183. He appeared in a three-issue miniseries cover titled The Infernal Man-Thing from early September through October 2012. And most recently, author R.L. Stein made his comics debut with a five-issue Man-Thing miniseries in 2017. I do like R.L. Stein. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that was uh, he was Fear Street, right? Fear Street, Goosebumps. Okay, I wasn't sure if he did both. I know, like... There was goosebumps, and then there was like the Fear Street stuff, which was like the darker, more violent. So there, there are three. I believe, if I if I am correct, there are three branches of R.L. Stein. There's Goosebumps, which is like your intro to horror. Uh, then there's the Fear Street 
series, which is more like young adult. And then the R.L. Stein stuff, which is still young adult, but it's more, uh, there's more to it. If I'm correct. I used to read his stuff. I've read, uh, that was the summer. So I started, I mean, like I read Goosebumps like every kid. I never read Goosebumps um, or, I mean, a couple of them here and there. And then there was a summer where I really got into, like, I just I just became such an avid reader. Um, really wanted spooky horror stuff. Uh, started with R.L. Stein, and he just really wasn't doing it for me. And I went to Stephen King. I was Stephen King at 12. I was reading It. Well, that's, so I was, uh, I think it was, I was maybe 11, 11 or 12. Um, I lived at the library that summer and I, I read Misery. I read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I read, um, oh God, uh, Carrie. I uh, loved Carrie. Um, and I had it. I had it. It was under my bed. I had started reading it and my dad's like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, I, I took out it. He's like, yeah, you're not reading that. And having like, like now being an adult and knowing things now, like, uh, yeah, I, uh, Although, you know, I was really mature, so I probably could have handled it, to be completely honest with you. I read that in sixth grade. Um, I used to read it on the bus going to and from school. Yeah, see, no, I was I was younger than sixth grade. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, so, but anyways. So, back to Man-Thing. The Man-Thing is a large, slow-moving, empathetic humanoid swamp monster living in the Florida Everglades near a Seminole reservation and the fictional town of Citrusville in Cypress County. Young biochemist Dr. Theodore Ted Salas, a native of Omaha, Nebraska, was working in the Everglades as part of Dr. Wilma Calvin's project, Gladiator Team, which includes Dr. Barbara Morse and her fiancé, Dr. Paul Allen, and an assistant named Jim. Who's Jim? Jim. A Dr. Wendell is later cited as being on the staff after Dr. Calvin is shot. The group is attempting to recreate the super soldier serum that had created Captain America. Yeah, that's everybody was trying to do that at that point. Like everybody wanted to recreate like that was a, a, an ongoing thing. So Web of Spider-Man Volume 2, Number 6, revealed that Salas at one point treated and worked alongside Dr. Curtis Connors shortly after Connors' arm was amputated, driving the research that would eventually transform Connors into the lizard. I was going to say, played by Reese Ifans in The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one with Andrew Garfield. That was um, like the main, he was the main bad guy, but Reese Ifans also ended up on... Uh, House of the Dragon as uh, Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King. Yes. 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 Yeah, he was, uh, and he was also in the replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves and yes. Gene oh, Hackman, John Favreau. Really good movie. Uh, anyways. Though warned that the technological terrorist group Advanced Idea Mechanics, or AIM... Uh, who we saw in the MCU 
with Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3. Had been operating in the area, Salas breached security by bringing with him his lover, Ellen Brandt, referred to as Miss Brandt, but later retconned to be his wife. He destroyed the notes to his formula, which he had memorized. Later, he is ambushed by two thugs and learns that Brandt had betrayed him. Fleeing with the only sample of his serum, he injects himself with it in hopes of saving himself. However, he crashes his car into the swamp where scientific and, as Man-Thing number one later explained, magical forces combine to instantly transform him into a slow-moving plant matter creature with large, solid red eyes. See, I saw in the comic thing that I saw in the, the videos that I was watching... <clears throat> he didn't ingest it. He was like drinking it as he dove into the into the uh, water. This may have been a retcon as well, but he was like drinking it as he dove into the water because he had been shot. And he's like, well, you know, because he saw all these like weird mutant people that they had been experimenting on. And that's when he found out that uh, Miss Brant was a bad guy. So he's like, oh, my God, you're not even my 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 sweetie Wubbums. You're a bad guy. And she's like, Meh, now I'm going to shoot you. See me. And she shot him. And so he escaped into the swamp and he was drinking the formula trying to like, oh, I'm going to be dead. So like maybe this will like help me or whatever. And from what he was drinking, like it didn't he didn't drink all of it. Some of it spilled. So like all the stuff around him. So it sounds like there are. But, I mean, as with every fucking superhero, there's multiple retcons and changes to their backstory, so it, it happens all the time. But, yeah, either one of these is exactly as plausible as the other. Well, so, regardless, he takes this the, the attempt at super soldier serum and ingests it in one way shape or form it's inside of him so unable to speak and dim and with dim memories he attacks the ambushers and brant burning and scarring part of her face with an acid that he now secretes in the presence of negative emotions the man thing want then wanders away into the swamp okay so to touch on the thing that i saw the slight difference there he wanted to kill her but wanted to like do it really like make her suffer but then he's like man I melted most of this bitch's face off that's probably enough and he just like let her go but I'm sure you'll get into it she does come back yes Though the beast now lacks a normal human intellect and has shed any desire to communicate with human society, I mean, same, uh, it nevertheless often becomes an accidental hero as it stumbles upon various crimes and horror scenarios. Salas's mind was apparently extinguished, although on rare occasions he could briefly return to consciousness within his monstrous form, as in Doctor Strange Volume 2, Number 41, in June of 1980, the Defender 
Spiders, number 98 of August 1981, and Peter Parker's Spider-Man Annual 99, and even to his human form, as in Adventure into Fear, number 13 of April 1973, Marvel 2-in-1, number 1, January 1974, Marvel Comics Presents, number 164 of October 1994, and Man-Thing, volume 3, number 5, and 7 through 8, April 1998, June, July of 1998. In the pages of the Thunderbolts, Dr. Henry Pym has expressed the view that the man-thing is sentient, though difficult to communicate with. For example, he once rescued an infant infant and left the child with a doctor, which would require an understanding of the function of a doctor and the ability to navigate to a specific address. He is shown to understand concepts such as how to ring a doorbell, how to put an arm in a sling, and how to flip an auto-destruct switch. The change in the man-thing's intellect can partly be explained by the fact that its brain, sensory organs, and central nervous system are now organized in a completely different fashion than a human's. For instance, the man-thing's auditory receptors are in his forehead. Regardless of what level of humanity the creature still possesses, it can discern when a person's motivations are evil, which causes it pain and motivates it to lash out. It is able to sense human emotions and is enraged by fear and automatically secretes a powerful corrosive. Anyone feeling fear and clutched by the man-thing is prone to be burned, either chemically or mystically. Hence the series tagline, whatever knows fear burns at the man-thing's touch. Man-thizzle give you the sizzle. (laughs) I don't know. Does that work? I don't know if I'm doing it right. Though fear is understandably most people's response to the creature, both for his monstrous appearance and the physical danger of his touch, typically only villains end up meeting and immolating death at its hands. Many survive being burned, notably Ellen Brandt, Nightcrawler, whom he does not even scar, and Mongu, whose hand he permanently attaches to his axe either due to intervention or dissipation. Unusual psychic and mystical forces react in what passes as the brain cells located throughout his body. These unique forces render the man-thing extremely sensitive to emotions. Emotions that are mild and generally considered positive arouse curiosity, and the man-thing will sometimes observe from a distance. However, emotions that are often viewed as negative, such as violent emotions like anger, hatred, and fear, cause the man-thing great discomfort and might provoke him to attack. Once provoked into violent actions, his body secretes highly concentrated acid that can burn human beings to ashes within a matter of seconds. Even individuals that have high levels of superhuman durability have proven unable to withstand his potent acid. While the man-thing is devoid of violent emotions, his body produces a type of foamy, soapy mucus that neutralizes the acid. So he's basically gonorrhea. He's it's like, <laughs> oh, I got a burning sensation in my man thing. 
Although the man thing's superhuman strength, speed, intelligence, durability, and immortality give the monster his powers, it is his spiritual ability that makes him immune to any other disease. It has been established that the creature possesses physical stamina beyond the limitations of any human athlete. Initially. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when you say that he's immortal, what he can do is he can create new bodies and just transfer his consciousness into them. He reproduces by budding. Basically. I'm just kidding. No, but, I mean, but, like, but kind that's of. kind of how it's, it is. Like, yeah. he just creates a new body. Like, if his body were to get damaged, he because he's just plants, uh, he's broccoli man, like, he can just create a new body. <laughs> and that's actually how he kills uh, Ellen Brandt. By tricking her into thinking that his current body is like a husk body and he just absorbs her into himself and kills her that way. Um, and speaking of his, uh, you think this is a good spot to mention the thing I was talking to you off air? Yeah, sure. All right. So if you paid close attention or you were aware of who this character was, you know, prior to the MCU being a thing. Uh, you would have noticed in uh, Thor Ragnarok that on the uh, on Sakar, the the battle planet there, when they had the you know tournament of champions thing, like where they have all the big faces that were on the the giant tower, uh, Man Thing, his face was on that tower, and there were references to him. Um, in I, what they call it, the fridge. I think was the name of this prison. So it's not the prison where they had like Ant-Man and, and uh, Hawkeye and all those guys where, where Cap went to bust them out at the end of, uh, which is the raft at the end of um, uh, Civil War. This, uh, this was a different one. And they talked about it on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Because um, there's a line where, um, what the fuck is her name? Colby Smothers character's uh shit i forget her character's name now i remember the act the the actor but i don't remember uh, agent something yeah hill uh, maria hill maria hill yes um she's like she goes oh what happened at the raft and what's a man thing like i'll send you a pamphlet um you can find out on the internet but no, there's uh, you know there's references to him, and then somehow he ended up on Sakar, not only ended up on Sakar, but became a champion, which is you know so he's on the if you look at the uh, the other characters that were featured on this tower, there was By Beast, there was the Hulk, and your buddy Betamax Bill, all were champions. So that means. That he is on the level, power-wise, of a guy like the Hulk or Thor. Um, and where his powers would be completely advantageous to him would be, you know, people who mean to do him harm or are afraid of him enhance his abilities, like you were just saying. So the more potent his acid or his immolation uh, techniques, not techniques, abilities... Um, you know, are based on, you know, the the way his opponent reacts to him. So he would be able to, you know, in this setting, 
reach his maximum potential. So if he's able to beat, like, if he were to go up against, like, Meek or Korg, he would annihilate them. And Korg is a guy who is able to beat gods, as we saw in Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, because all the guards that were attacking him were variations of gods because the director said anyone who bleeds gold is a god. And when we see him fighting and he's hitting people with his little stick thing, uh, they bleed gold. So this is giving you an idea of where his power level is. Like he's in the upper echelon and we see what he does in um, in uh, Werewolf by Night to... Uh, what the hell's her name? Verusa? Mm -hmm. I wanted to call her Verusa cult <laughs> uh, to Verusa and to the other hunter like the bearded guy where he just like fucking puts his glowing hand on them and like for lack of a better term immolates them just fucking torches them they're gone um, another indicator of his level of power uh, because we see um Jack Russell being like completely dominated and like nearly killed by someone shining the bloodstone at him whereas the bloodstone was somehow attached to man thing and all it did was kind of piss him off like it didn't have any effect on him well, I mean, physically. It, it, I mean, it did. It hurt him. Right. Like he was in pain, but, but it didn't no, completely incapacitate him. It, it's like a shock collar for a dog. Like it's it to. It was no different than that. Like it didn't stop him from wrecking people. It didn't stop him from sneaking around and doing what he needed to do. Like, but it was definitely like, man, this sucks, and I don't like it. But it wasn't. You know, you see the difference between this thing being attached to him and Jack Russell just being exposed to it. So that's all I wanted to throw out there. So, like, if you were, if you're one of those folks who looks for, like, the little, you know, Easter eggs and clues, and it's like, oh, where'd this guy come from? They never even talked about him before. Yes, I know not everybody watched the TV show. I didn't but I learned it from watching these different videos that it was mentioned. But I do remember seeing him on the, the tower in Sakaar, uh, the monument to him, because he was a champion, which I would like to see some backstory on that. I would love to see him fighting people in the arena on Sakaar. That would be fucking cool. I want to know how he got there, and I want to know how he got back, because he's, he's not a guy that I would... Uh, you know, I know we, we just talked about some of the stuff he can do where it's like, oh, he left a baby with a doctor and he can flip a switch and he can put an arm in the sling. But does that translate to escaping a planet and flying through the devil's anus to get back to, you know, various locations in the universe? Like, how would he get home? Can he pilot a starship? Did someone bring him? Like, what's the deal? How did that happen? So I'd be very curious to see if Marvel expands upon that, and I really hope they do because I really hope they go that dark Marvel route that we were discussing last week with, you know, like Blade and Morbius and, and well, we've got Craven the Hunter coming up uh, in October. You know, characters like that, are we going to see the darker side? So uh, that's all I had to add about that. So uh, back to you, Ashes. So 
Initially, the man thing is only slightly stronger than Captain America, but in later appearances, man thing possesses sufficient superhero, uh, superhuman strength to stand toe to toe with much stronger villains. He is able to lift a 2,000 pound automobile when sufficiently motivated. His body is practically invulnerable to harm because his body is not entirely solid, but composed of the muck and vegetative matter of the swamp. Fists, bullets, knives, energy blasts, etc. will either pass entirely through him or will harmlessly be lodged within his body. It's almost like... If you were to try to punch jello. Kind of, yeah. Or stab pudding. Well, even if a vast portion of the man thing's body were to be ripped away or incinerated, he would be able to reorganize himself by drawing the necessary material from the surrounding vegetation. Right, that's like what I was. Yeah, I was saying, the Devil Slayer once sliced him nearly in half, and he has survived being incinerated by a celestial, although his healing from the latter has been the longest and most complex in his lifetime. Due to the construction of his body, the Man-Thing is able to ooze his body through openings or around barriers that would seem too small for him to pass through. The smaller the opening, the longer it will take for him to reorganize his mass upon reaching the other side. This ability can be defeated mystically. The Man-Thing was once dependent upon the swamp he inhabits for his continued survival. His body would slowly weaken and eventually lapse into dormancy if not returned to the swamp or would be greatly damaged if exposed to clean water. As opposed to his counterpart, Swamp Thing, who can survive anywhere because he's just like the physical manifestation of, quote-unquote, the green... Um, so he does have almost like vampiric qualities where vampires uh, can only travel if they have the soil of their homeland with them. Like, you know, that's part of vampire lore where if they want to travel, they have to fill their coffin full of soil from their homeland and then they can travel across oceans or whatnot. But like they have to have that uh, that connection, that physical, tangible connection and... It sounds like they're borrowing some of that lore for him. His exposure to the Citrusville Waste Treatment Plant greatly enhanced his ability to leave the swamp as he became a self-contained ecosystem feeding off his own waste products. He generally leaves the swamp of his own accord only if he senses a mystical disturbance. The Man-Thing has also demonstrated himself susceptible to possession by other entities. The Man-Thing and a host of alternate counterparts have undergone a couple of changes in form, like having the ability to control and alternate plant matter both from its own person and the surrounding area. The Man-Thing also has trans-reality shifting abilities due in part to his nature as a living extra-dimensional crossroads. He is able to open portals to and from alternate realities, interact with different dimensional counterparts, and even alternate the physical appearances of said doppelgangers with those of their prime universe iterations. Through his empathetic abilities, the Man-Thing can grow more powerful by feeding on the fear of others, increasing his size and mass to titanic proportions during fear itself. 
Underwriter Steve Gerber, the man thing encounters the sorceress Jennifer Kale, with whom he briefly shared a psychic link and who knew his true identity, in a story arc in Fear number one through 13, the final issue of which established that the swamp had mystical properties as the nexus of realities. He possesses a variety of superhuman powers that are derived from the combined interaction of the scientific formula created by Ted Salas and the mystical energies of the nexus of all realities. Through an interdimensional, por interdimensional portal in Fear Number 19, he meets Howard the Duck, who becomes stranded in this reality. The Man-Thing became the guardian of the Nexus and found himself facing demons, ghosts, and time-traveling warriors while continuing to encounter such non-supernatural antagonists as rapacious land de developers, fascist vigilantes, and common criminals. In Man-Thing, Volume 3, Number 1 through 8, uh, December 1997 through July 1998, Ellen Brandt Salas returns to the Citrusville area and encounters a little boy, Job, or maybe Job, Burke, who is actually the Salas' son who had been put up for adoption. Following this series, the story continues in Strange Tales, Volume 4, number 1 through 2, and was projected to continue in the unpublished issues number 3 through 4. Summaries based on unillustrated scripts appear on the Cad... Cadmon? Cadmon? Yeah. Cadmon? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and man. Ellen Brandt pages an appendix to appendix to the handbook of the Marvel Universe. During the Civil War storyline, two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents unsuccessfully attempt to register the Man-Thing under the Superhuman Registration Act. The Man-Thing later appears as a member of the Legion of Monsters alongside Morbius, the Living Vampire, the Werewolf by Night, the Manphibian, and Nikantu, the Living Mummy. He later gains the ability to speak comprehensibly through the use of the universal language, quote-unquote. Phil Coulson subsequently recruits the Man-Thing for his incarnation of the Howling Commandos. Interesting. That was Nick Fury's group. During the Empire storyline, Man-Thing falls under the control of the Kotati led by Ventry that were operating in the Savage Land. Dr. Voodoo takes control of Man-Thing to free Matthew and Black Knight. As Matthew and Black Knight fight the Kotati, a Dr. Voodoo-controlled Man-Thing fights the Kotati's control and defeats Ventry. As Dr. Voodoo exits Man-Thing uh, Man to assist Scarlet Witch after the Khazar was stabbed by a Kotati using Black Knight's ebony blade, Man-Thing continued the fight against the Kotati. When the Kotati were defeated, Man-Thing takes his leave after being thanked by Black Knight. Ventry claims that what they learned from Man-Thing's energy has been sent to Qua to fuel the Kotati's invasion. Harriet Brome, a agent, an agent of the self-proclaimed eco-warriors of the horticulture, adopts the name Harrower and attempts to use Man-Thing to perform a mass culling of humanity, intending to purge the human race and let another species take over. 
To this end, she attacks and skins the man-thing and uses his corpse to produce seedling spores that will emerge in all major cities across the world and burn their victims. When the Avengers respond, Captain America is briefly absorbed by one of the spores, where he meets the remnants of Ted Salas, who explains that he never truly cracked the super soldier serum. He attempts to get Cap to contact Connors for help, but when Connors affirms that he can't help, Spider-Man is able to convince Salas to take responsibility for his past. After Salas's essence is able to grow a new body for Man-Thing, Man-Thing returns to Salas's old office where it is revealed that Salas made a deal with the demon Belasco to crack the formula. When he performs the ritual again, he summons magic, the new ruler of Limbo, who offers to release Salas from his current state. Magic with a K? Yes. That'd be Ilyana Rasputin, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy in the New Mutants film, and sister to Peter Rasputin, Colossus. Understanding that his freedom would leave Man-Thing an uncontrolled creature of instinct, Salas agrees to remain and joins Magic's strike team in attacking, attacking Horrower. After banishing Horrower to another dimension and destroying her spore plants, Magic later summons Belasco so that Salas can properly punish the demon for his role in Salas's fate. That's comprehensive. Like... There's a lot of that that I didn't know, and I'm glad that, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, chime in with some of the few things that I did. So, again, it's one of those things where it's a character that I had no idea, like last week, had never heard of this character much before watching this Disney special. And, you know, upon research, learned that this this character has been around for decades, has a really rich history. Yeah, 50 years this guy's been around. You know, um, has, you know, a, a really crazy, incredible backstory, uh, a really interesting character, and kind of... Uh, makes me even more intrigued as to why they decided to introduce this character in the MC because Werewolf by Night is canon to Phase 4 of the MCU. It's not this just one-off thing. So it, it makes me uh, really curious to see where this is going to go and where are we going to see this character again and what's going to happen. And, you know, mentioned that he had uh, a run-in with a Celestial... Yep. You know, the Eternals, that's what they are. So, I mean, it, 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 it's learning these characters' backstory, you can slowly start to piece together and kind of predict, you know, what could potentially happen, like what they're trying mm -hmm. to what they're trying to weave together for this phase four, this, you know, this next phase of on, the MCU. Are we on four or five? Are we, we might be on five. I don't, I I don't, don't know where the hell we know. are. So, Man-Thing as you mentioned, made his first appearance in Savage Tales, May 1971, right? Yeah. That's what we were talking about. Swamp Thing made his first appearance in House of Secrets, July 1971. So this time, Marvel got ripped off by DC as opposed to, like, Thanos is a ripoff of Darkseid. You know? But I mean, that it's... 
it's so close to one another, and some of these things happen. And a lot of these care, a lot of the people would bounce, you know, the well, artists and like say, Steve Ditko. Just, Steve Ditko was back and forth between both I mean, of but them. But that's just it. You know, you have people who work for both companies providing ideas for both companies. Yeah, whether they're artists or writers. You or know, or and I'm sure ups. that there's intel that makes its way back and forth, you know, especially in the earlier days where they were coming up with stuff. I mean, uh, you know, it's a they've always been in competition with each other they've always been ripping each other off imitation you know, is the sincerest form of flattery I mean, there's you know, that there, there's yeah. that and there's also that was popular i'm gonna do it you know essentially how everybody has been you know ripping off superman for as far as you know like oh this guy can fly oh he's ripping off superman oh this guy can fly and he's strong he's ripping off superman oh he can fly he's strong can shoot beams out of his eyes oh he's ripping off superman like there's a lot of that but you know even superman took his like he couldn't fly at first he was able to leap tall buildings in a single bound you know faster than a locomotive uh, stronger than a locomotive faster than a speeding bullet able to leap tall buildings in a single bound he couldn't fly he jumped we see that in the Hulk. Hulk can't fly, but he can jump three miles. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, crossover. But again, you know, there's only so many things. You know, so many times a story can be told. So many times that you know a uh, so many powers to go around. You know, until you start getting ridiculous, where it's like, aha, I'm the dog welder. I'm going to weld a dog to your face, which I don't even know how you would weld something. You'd probably be better off, like, sewing that. But that is a conversation for another time. So uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this conversation, or do you want to take a break? Um, I do enjoy Man-Thing's character design, whereas Swamp Thing kind of looks more man like he, like a man covered in plant life he's more humanoid yes uh as opposed man to the cthulhu looking thing, man thing yeah exactly man thing is a cthulhu lovecraftian looking monster and that just i don't know there's just something about that that brings me so much joy yeah it's it's a really cool design i like the way it looks like again there's a lot of similarity until you get to their faces as far as the aesthetic goes and then you have, you know, a guy like Moss Man from Masters of the Universe, who's just a guy covered in moss. And he's very fuzzy, and our, our friend Kurt hides him on the Christmas tree every year. So there's that. So we're going to take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to wrap things up and tell you what we're going to be doing next week. And uh, it's going to be a little bit, of a little bit of a throwback, a callback to the beginning of this episode. So we'll be right back. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? Do have a free the Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. 
Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Sorry, I almost knocked your phone out of your hand as I adjust my uh, as I adjust my chair here. You didn't almost knock anything. I got a kung fu grip on this thing right now. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> That's was what she uh, said. kung fu grip on man thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so on uh, coming back from break, that was the uh, theme song, the theme for the 2005 Lionsgate film Man Thing. It's. Uh, it's interesting. Um, it sure is a song. It's definitely a 2005 low-budget movie theme song. Like, that's 100% what that is. Um, that's right up there with the, the, the themes for, like, Resident Evil or, or the Underworld series or some of the Matrix stuff. Although the Matrix stuff was more techno-based. Um, obviously not the first one, but the second and the third one that came out in... Uh, like oh three and oh four or oh two and oh three. I don't know. I forget. Um, but we have some uh, some interesting news. First, we have some battle results for you. So, Ashes, if you'd like to uh, bestow those results on us, we do. The this is our first set of battle results uh, since our hiatus. So, kind of kind of cool. Uh, last week we threw down Lunar Lunacy Battle of the Lichens. Which monster by Moonlight has what it takes to maul the competition and be the last werewolf standing? The Sandbox was an NYC dog park at midnight during a full moon. And the special guest referee was Horace from the Monster Squad. Wolfman's got nards. Mm -hmm. You can choose from Jack Russell from Werewolf by Night. David Kessler from An American Werewolf in London. Larry Talbot from The Wolfman. 
Lori from Trick or Treat or Michael Jackson from uh, the Thriller music video. And David Kessler from An American Werewolf in London. Okay. Beat out everybody. Got That's the fine. most votes. I mean, I voted for MJ because I'm partial because to the did. Thriller video. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, no wrong choices there. I didn't think Lori was going to do much because we don't really get to see any of her powers we get to see a little bit of a transformation but we don't get to really see any feats or abilities well i mean we she does throw a guy she drops a guy like we but we don't see like how did she get him up in the tree was it a trap did she rope him did she like how what happened like that's what i'm saying that's like that's true that's we don't, fair we don't get to see enough of it like michael jackson chops down a tree with one hand um you know some of the stuff that david does uh, in 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 uh, American Werewolf, we get to see that you know some of the other characters we get to see their abilities, their feats. Um, so we we get to see a little bit more of that, but with her, we don't even see a full transformation. Right? No, that's true. So that's fair. I didn't I didn't expect her to win. So next week. Uh, because we recently got the chance, and I know a lot of folks out there have also gotten the chance. And if you haven't, um, check out Cocaine Bear. It is available to rent or purchase on the majority of streaming platforms. Vudu, uh, Apple, Amazon, all those. Um, I'm sure YouTube, Google Play as well. But we're going to be discussing uh, Cocaine Bear, both the actual... Uh, news story which if you've seen the movie they have footage from uh the actual case like news footage from the day that they discovered the uh some of the drugs and the guy who died jumping out of the plane uh so we're going to discuss a little bit of that compared to how cocaine bear is depicted in the movie which as is the case in most of these, like, do we want to call this a biopic? Like, sure, <laughs> why not? It the fits. Cocaine Bear story, starring Daniel Day Lewis as the Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Rar. Um, you sure that wasn't Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman. Uh, that would be Harry Oldman. Oh, G Gary Oldman was the cocaine. Gary Oldman was the cocaine. No, I think Pete Davidson played the cocaine. Oh, that's why he dyed his hair. Yes, that's why he his hair's like like platinum blonde white, so he could blend in. Like he very very method. He had to cover up all his tattoos. He's very very method. Squeezed down into a little container. Uh, not a it's talent. Well, it's like arm fall off boy, but it's like limbs turn into cocaine guy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're going to be talking about um, uh, Cocaine Bear, uh, who's actually played by Gary Busey. But no, um, <laughs> I think Gary Busey doing a voiceover of, of Cocaine Bear's inner monologue would be fucking incredible. 10 out of 10 would watch. Yes. Um, so we're going to be talking about Cocaine Bear discussing, as we have with a lot of these like real-life situations or people, um, what actually happened compared to how the movie sort of embellished and uh, you know, fantasticized it, you know, made it more entertaining, like put it into a narrative uh, structure. 
So I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, episode. We may watch it again. I, I was going to say, oh no, we have to watch Cocaine Bear. Although again. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to break my streak. I'm at almost sixty straight first time watches. So I haven't rewatched a movie since the end of June. Everything I've, I mean, January, Jesus, January. Everything I've watched since the end of January has been a has been brand new to me and I've never seen before. And some of these things I need to talk about because I just watched uh, Dante's Peak for the first time. I've seen Volcano 150 fucking times. Never seen Dante's Peak, even though that was one of those in the golden years of we're gonna make two of every movie, you know. Oh, you have uh, Dante's Peak? Well, we're going to release Volcano. Oh, you're doing Armageddon? How about a deep impact? Like, there were so many of those, like, exact same movies that were coming out. Um, you said deep impact on the Man-Thing episode. Man in, Man-Thing's <laughs> deep impact. Uh, you And before you even listen to this uh I'm sure you're going to enjoy the title of this uh, episode because you know we had to go with a double entendre. We're five. Yes, we are uh, prepubescent children that have to make fun of everything. Uh, so you know that you you know what you're going to get from the title of this episode. That's just all I'm going to say. But we are also going to have some wine to talk about because we are going to. I, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to be going to four different vineyards to do a barrel tasting this weekend. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. So I think if you were interested, so I mean, obviously, if you follow me on the social medias, you know, I'm going to be posting stuff to my Facebook, um, you know, my my personal Facebook. Um, you know, I might throw a couple of things in the Throwdown Thursday podcast group. And if you're not in that group on Facebook, you should really join us. We do have some fun. Mm -hmm. um, I, I may upload something to the Throwdown Thursday um, Instagram, uh, but you can follow my own personal Instagram. I am Miss Von Nightmare, M-I-S-S-V-O-N-N-I-T-E-M-A-R-E. But a while ago, a while ago, um, I started the Von Nightmare Nightmare Vineyards Instagram, and I have not done anything with it yet, so I figured this weekend coming up would be the perfect time to throw some content into my wine blog on Instagram. So it's Von Nightmare Vineyard, Vine Vineyards, Vineyards, Von Nightmare Vineyards, God, and I'm not even drinking right now. What's my no, excuse? You're, you're having seltzer. I am. I am. Maybe that's my problem. The bubbles hurt my tongue. I'm like I'm like Bender. So spicy. I just if if, if I don't have the alcohols, I can't be a functioning pure person, human a being. A function, I was gonna say a functioning peoples. Um, but anyways, yeah. So if you want to know, I plan on doing some really posting a bunch of pictures doing some some really in-depth fun stuff you know uh I, I plan on learning a lot i will probably learn a lot this weekend and i plan on sharing that with my von nightmare vineyards instagram wine blog using it for you know what i what i started it for so uh yeah if you're interested if in my in my journey in wine uh definitely follow me there and i i promise to uh, actually post some content yeah 
and uh, I'll be following that and joining on the adventures as well. Um, so I'm very excited, especially for you know some of these vineyards that we haven't been to in years, uh, partly because of COVID and partly because they're like three hours away. You know, when do we have time to just drive three hours? So it definitely makes for a really fun weekend, though. You should definitely um, do some Instagram live while we're driving up to, you know, and like kind of discussing like what's going on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, from inside, inside the new vehicle. You just want to show off your no, new like, car. You're not going to see much of it other than the inside, but like, you know, and not even the whole inside. I'm just saying like. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a. It'd be a fun distraction. It's something you haven't done, and it'll help drive traffic to the channel. So, you guys like our live stuff? You know, make sure you uh, tune in for some of the live stuff. So, uh, I think with that being said, we, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.